I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, verse 30. We're going to only do verses 30 to 32, and Lord willing, this will be an encouragement to us all. Um, I I found this incredibly encouraging to my own soul to study this week, uh, to come again afresh to our Lord and what He's like and His heart for us and His attention to our needs, His care of His disciples is great here, and I want to reflect on it a little bit. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Let me just read the first few verses there. The apostles returned to Jesus and told Him all that they had done and taught. And He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Let's just stop there. Matthew doesn't include this in his gospel. This part of the, it's kind of the beginning of the feeding of the 5,000. Luke doesn't include it. John doesn't include it. Mark includes it. Mark felt it was significant enough to include in his gospel that Jesus is interested in the rest of his disciples. Jesus cares that his disciples get a retreat, get some respite from the work that they had been doing. I find this fascinating, and I think it's very relevant for us. We live in a busy world, don't we? You ever met, gone up to someone and you ask them how they're doing, and they say, well, uh, one thing I'm not is I'm not busy. I'm not busy. Usually, how you doing? Oh, man, things are hard, things are busy. Got a lot going on. That's kind of life. And I think many of us, with the, uh, the swell of opportunity uh, that all our technology brings us and our affluence brings us, we can crowd our lives with so much, and we become frazzled and frenetic. We become so crowded in our schedules, so busy, so constantly on, work never ceases, nothing's turned off, we stay up late, we rise early, and we live a life of constant on-the-go, and many of the things we commit to are good things, good things that we're busying ourselves with, and I think it is incredibly important for us this morning to get an idea of Jesus's, Jesus's understanding and His idea and His plans for rest. Would you think this morning that you need rest? That you need calm, rejuvenation, refreshment. You need to be re-energized. You need to get back into that place where you're feeling good and ready to go. You're not drowning anymore. You're not feeling strangled by your to-do list. I love what we find in the heart of Christ here, is that our Savior is interested in caring for our bodies as well as our souls. So I want to look at this, and just very easily you see it. The point of these few verses is just to show that Jesus cared about taking his disciples to rest a while. And so I want to to kind of ask a question. I want you guys to be thinking about this as we look at this text together, is what might the Lord be teaching you? about the nature of rest, and how might this apply to you? As we look at the heart of Christ, how might this relate to your own life and your own habits and your own rhythms? How might you apply Jesus' principles of rest to your own life? 
We're really going to look at three points, simple points. Why rest? Secondly, how to rest? And then thirdly, true rest. Why rest, how to rest, and then true rest. Let's start with why rest. It says in verse 30, look at here, the apostles returned to Jesus. Returned, you got to ask the question, well, where were they? And if you remember verses 7 to 13 of the previous section, where were they? They were out and about doing ministry. You remember that? They were sent out by Jesus two by two. And they were to go out and preach repentance. And what were they to do? They were to go out, and if people were listening to them, they were to stay with that family that listened to them, and they were to teach them about the kingdom of God. But if the people rejected them, they were to move on and go to the next place. Jesus said, don't bring extra stuff. In fact, you're not going to be sleeping in your own bed. You're going to be completely dependent upon the generosity of those who receive you. And this mission trip probably went on for weeks. It could have maybe gone over a month, but it was an extended period of time. And uh, they come home, or they come back to Jesus. Verse 30, they returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. I imagine that this is, it's like kids coming home from summer camp. They got all the stories all the funny things that happened, all the things they want to relate to Jesus. They tell them how it went, and they tell them who responded. They tell them about the times they were rejected. They got all kinds of things to say. And Jesus is listening to them, and it's upon listening to them that he responds by saying they need to get away and rest. But, but to answer the question, why rest, the answer becomes quite easily when we see in verse 30, why do they need rest? It's not a profound answer. It's something you would already see. The reason they need rest is, well, they've been working. The reason they need rest is they're exhausted. The reason they need rest is they've been pretty busy. They haven't been sleeping in their own beds. Physically, the toll would have been huge. They're walking from place to place. They're, they're sleeping in beds that are not their own. Some of us can hardly sleep in a bed that's not our own. Well, they would have been doing that. They would have been not only physically exhausted, but spiritually they would have been pouring themselves into this work. Uh, teaching and preaching and takes a, a toll, an emotional and spiritual toll on yourself. It is an exhausting thing. They would have not only been facing people who would have received their message, but also uh, people who would have rejected them. And that's a, that's a hard thing on the heart to do again and again and again. These guys, I imagine, they're coming back and they're tired. And they, they, you know they are because Jesus says he values his need to get, a, get away. Well, when do you rest? Why rest? Well, rest after you work. Think about that, church. Good work is the prerequisite for good rest. Think about that. God's order in creation. Six days of work, creating the world. One day, he rests. And then he gives it to Israel, the same pattern. Six days of work, and the seventh day, what do you do? You rest. You go into the Proverbs and you realize that there is no rest for the sluggard. Think about that. It's a little bit ironic. It's almost a little bit of a paradox. The sluggard is someone who's always trying to get rest because they don't want to work. They're lazy. They're, they're in their bed. They're like a door 
uh, creaking on its hinges, unwilling to move, really, and get anything done. And ironically, you read what the Proverbs have to say about the sluggard, and the sluggard is restless. He is without true rest. Proverbs 21, verses 25 and 26 says, "...the the, the desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor." All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. In other words, the, the sluggard is trying to... Uh, the, the, the sluggard makes rest his idol, but because he makes rest his idol, he never gets rest. He, he, he wants his life to be free from difficulty, and so he slugs himself around doing nothing, he's lazy, and he ends up complicating his life and making it much more difficult. Proverbs 19.15 says the lazy person suffers hunger. Proverbs 10, verse 4 says the lazy person is going to be poor. Proverbs 12, 27 says the lazy person doesn't get to roast the game that he's hunted. So he goes and hunts, he gets the game, but he doesn't actually get to enjoy it because he's too lazy. In other words, lazy is an, laziness is an attempt to get out of work that actually creates more work, more complication, more difficulty, more complication, or more complexity, I should say, for that person. So Jesus... Here we see, expects his disciples to labor, doesn't he? He sent them out earlier. He expected them to work hard for his purposes. Now, not all of us are going to be going from house to house preaching the gospel like evangelists, like the apostles are here. Whatever work God has given you, you take it as your vocation before God and you do as unto him. You do it for his glory. You work hard at that. And the pattern even here is that when you work hard, what does Jesus invite his disciples to do? To then rest. Just rest. Jesus does expect his people to work. So work. But Jesus is not a slave driver. Jesus is not that coach that when he can tell you're drooping a little bit, you're having a hard time being up for the next play or the next game. He comes down harder on you, and he yells and screams harder on you, and he tries to force you to continue going even when you can't. He's the one that gives you a break. Jesus is so gentle here. Jesus is so tender, so aware of the needs of his people. And, and just let that sink in. That This is how Jesus thinks of you. I, I know a couple weeks ago we, we looked at 1 Corinthians 9. You guys remember this whole idea of running the race? I mean, that's a challenge to us. Run with self-control. Run with perspective. Run with discipline. Beat your body. And I think the Bible also shows us another way to think through how we run is to remember that Jesus also says, take rest. Jesus also says, it's okay to stop working for a little bit, to recover. Some of us, and I know I've struggled with this in my own past, is some of us might feel guilty just to rest at all, to sleep in, to take a day off. And here we see Jesus, our Lord and Savior, so kind, so compassionate, so tender, that he says to his disciples who are exhausted, let's get away and let's rest. So why do we rest? We rest because we work hard But after working hard, we have no guilt in taking a rest. Are you someone who can't say no? 
You can't say no to good things. And so you do and you do and you do and you burn yourself out. You kill yourself trying to make everyone happy and do all the things. And you realize your soul is being starved. I want you to hear Jesus in his own heart for his own disciples. He says, come away with me and rest. Church, take time to be quiet before the Lord with your Bible open and refresh your soul. Take time to rest. Why rest? Because we work. Let's look at how to rest. Because Jesus kind of plans this retreat. You know, I've planned my shares of retreats in my life. I wish I would have studied how Jesus planned his retreats before I did that. Jesus plans the perfect retreat. Look at what he does. He says there in verse 31, And he said to them, the disciples, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away into the boat to a desolate place, desolate place by themselves. Here's the retreat that Jesus planned. I want to point out four aspects of how Jesus taught his disciples to rest. First of all, stop working. Stop working. See what he did? He said, come away. Let's go somewhere else. You see, while you're here, Jesus notices something. While you're here, this is the end of verse 31, many people were coming and going. They had no leisure to eat. So even the apostles in their own right kind of became popular because they were healing and casting out demons and preaching. And so Jesus is recognizing they're having no rest here. Uh, I need to get them to a place where they're not continuing to work because of the demands of the ministry. So you need to go somewhere else, he says. We need to go somewhere else to a desolate place. Why? So we can stop working. Christian, you need to stop working sometimes. There's a couple lies that get us. One of them is the lie of total obligation. Here's what this means. Every good thing you can do, you must do. That if there's something you can do that's good, you have to do it, and you're under moral obligation to do it. But just think about what Jesus is doing with these men. Are there needs that they're leaving unmet? Are there people that need to be taught that they're walking away from? Are there sick people that need healing that they're actually not going to heal? The answer to all those questions is yes. In fact, they are leaving good things undone so they can rest. There's a lie that sensitive souls get caught up in. They're easily, it's the kind of person that feels responsible for everything that happens. And so they're constantly taking on more and more and more. And they then live in a constant state of work. And so there's no rest for them. Because they bought into the lie of total obligation that they must do every good thing all the time. And they never say no. They never learn how to walk away. They never learn how to turn off. The other lie is, I'll call it the lie of the twilight zone. Not the show, although I like the show. Not the show. What I mean is, you never learn to turn off your work and you never learn how to turn off your play. In other words, when you're working, you're kind of playing at work. 
you maybe are surfing Facebook and watching YouTube videos and doing all kinds of extra things on the side, your work you're only 50% in. And then you get home, instead of turning off work, well, you got to catch up on the things you didn't do. And so you're not quite home either. You're, you're still catching up on text messages, and you're still sending back emails, and you're still returning those phone calls because you didn't really do the work. And what happens is we live in this, we never truly work, and so we never truly rest. We're never totally black, and we're never totally white. We're always this twilight gray of working play and resting work, and it doesn't actually help you rest the way God designed. You need to learn, church, we need to learn to turn off work, to get away from it from time to time. And that might mean the way you use your phone changes. That might mean that when you walk in the door and sit around your, your, with your family, that you put your phone in a different place so you cannot be tempted to continue working when your body and your soul and your mind need to rest. Or when you sit to do devotions and read your Bible and have time with Jesus, it maybe is not the best idea to have your phone right there receiving all the emails that are coming in and checking social media that might be grabbing your attention. So the how to rest, and this might not be obvious, but I fear that we're actually not very good at this. How to, how to rest, first, stop working. Actually, get away from it. Put it aside. Turn it off. There was an Olympic runner uh, named Bernard Lagat who won several awards, several uh, medals. He's um, been in the Olympics for, for years and years and years and one of uh, the decorated Olympians. And he said that his training for the Olympics involved 11 months of intense training and one month every year where he did nothing. The article in the Wall Street Journal that described his habit says he would put his sneakers in the closet and pig out for five weeks. No running, no sit-ups. He would coach his son's soccer team and gain eight pounds. That was his one-month-a-year thing. And he was one of the better Olympians for it because he learned the value of rest. Every other month of the year, he was working hard, but he knew the value of letting his body just rest. Sometimes you just got to stop. Here's a second clue to how to rest based on what Jesus is doing with these disciples. First, he moves them away so they can stop working. Secondly, get away. Get away. They get on the boat. This is the boat that they've been kind of taking with them. Jesus has been so popular that he needs a boat to get away from these crowds. They get back on that boat. And they go to a new place. They're avoiding the crowds. They're, they're getting away. It says that they're getting away to a desolate place. But the word desolate, I don't know what it conjures up in your mind. I, I think of like a desert, like a sandy, dirty, kind of filthy place, just kind of all uh, secluded. But you could read five different translations and find five different words. In fact, that's what I did. There's a, it could be translated, that word desolate could be translated quiet could be translated isolated, could be translated remote. There's all kinds of different ideas that's capsulated, but the idea isn't that it's some ugly place. It's, it's actually just more referring to the idea that there's not a lot of other people there. It's, it's a more quiet area. So they're getting away from the crowds. 
And sometimes that's what rest needs to look like, actually moving away. And what I find is interesting, if you look ahead to verse 39, when they're actually beginning to feed the 5,000, where did he command these people, who they end up finding them, by the way, they track them down and find them, so the rest doesn't last long. Verse 39, it says, He commanded them to all to sit down in groups on the green grass. Uh, just, just think of this picture, blue skies, green grass, rolling hills. It's beautiful. The desolate place they've come to is not this gross, ugly place. It's actually a green, beautiful area on the lake. That's where they're going. Sometimes rest, you just need to get away. You need to get out. Sometimes even to go to a beautiful place where you can just be in God's creation and soak in the common grace of God's world. One of my favorite paragraphs by Charles Spurgeon is found in the lecture he gave, in the book Lectures to My Students. He was speaking about burnout. He was speaking about despair and how pastors can sometimes struggle with uh, feeling depressed. He himself did for, for many years. And he's speaking to them on this issue, and he has this great paragraph where he goes, He who forgets the humming of the bees among the heather, the cooing of the wood pigeons in the forest, the song of the birds in the woods, the rippling of the rills among the rushes, and the sighing of the wind among the pines, need not wonder if his heart forgets to sing and his soul grows weary. In other words, if you're so cooped up in your cubicle day after day, you never get away, you never change scenery, you never get outside, there might be a spiritual effect that takes toll on you. And so Spurgeon would say, get out, get away, enjoy the creation. I think Jesus is doing that with his disciples. Let's get away. Let's take some time and get on the green grass on this other side of the lake. Here's a third way to rest that Jesus shows here. He says in verse 31, to all his disciples, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest. Notice this. He did not say, let's all go home and rest. Let's all go to our own houses and rest. And then reconvene in the morning. In other words... For Jesus, the the idea of the retreat that he's trying to plan with these men includes them being together. See that? That they are meant to, on their rest, as they get away, they're meant to encourage one another, retreat together. I think it's implied by the fact that they are to do this together, that Jesus intends for them to be used in one another's lives to help create rest They're not to be doing this in isolation. And then you read through the way Paul thought about ministry, and you realize that rest is something that can be given from one person to another. In fact, the word refresh is the same idea as rest. And that word refresh is a word that Paul likes to use for how Christians can help other Christians. Did you know, church, that you can be the source of rest in another Christian's life? Paul spoke of three men at the end of 1 Corinthians, and he says of them that they refreshed my spirit. In 2 Timothy 1.16, he's talking about the, the household of Onesiphorus, and he says about them, he often refreshed me. 
he spoke of Philemon, and he actually asked Philemon to refresh him. At the end of Philemon, he says, Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. The disciples were to go away, and they were to be in a restful place, to be away, not working in a beautiful area, and yet they were to be together, and I think Jesus intended them to refresh one another, to encourage one another. In church, we're called to do the same. Do you have any friends that you would say, they are a refreshment for me? If you don't, ask the Lord for those kinds of friends that can refresh your soul in the Lord and be that kind of friend to others and give them refreshment in the truth. Be an encourager. Be a well of fresh water that nourishes the soul. Speak words of truth and hope and encouragement. Fourth, how to rest. Take care of your body. We see this because Jesus says to them, he notices as he watches how they were ministering, he says, many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Jesus sees that. That word leisure could also be translated time. They just didn't have any time. There's no margin. Not any margin in their life even to get a meal, to grab a sandwich, to sit down and enjoy fellowship over some food. They didn't have that time because of the demands of the ministry. Jesus sees that that's a problem because you need to eat. You need to have time. There needs to be margin in your life. And so he starts this retreat. So what that means is, is the retreat that Jesus intended to give these disciples included uninterrupted time and refreshment for the body. Did you know that we're sleeping less than any generation in history? That we actually, because of our technology, you know, we invented a light bulb and then we invented screens and all kinds of social media and all kinds of new reasons to stay up later and all kinds of ways to wake up earlier. We're trying to do everything we can to minimize our need of sleep. And yet, guess what? Some of you know this all too well. You need to sleep. That if you try to burn the candle at both ends for too long, it'll not only be bad for your body, but for your soul. Have you felt that? That not only are you physically exhausted when you don't sleep well, you can be spiritually low, spiritually vulnerable when you're operating on no sleep. Do you know that? Jesus wants to give them leisure Leisure to eat so they can rest in body and soul. It is good at times to sleep in. Yes, there are times to rise early. Yes, there are times to stay up all night and pray, as Jesus did. There are times when Jesus rebukes his disciples for falling asleep. The Garden of Gethsemane. But there are other times where Jesus says you need to have time to eat and refresh your body. The Lord gives to his beloved sleep, the psalmist says. So sleep. There are times you can sleep in. There are times you need to shut off the screens, turn off your phone, turn off Netflix, and get to bed. There's actually very spiritual dynamics at play when you talk about a bedtime, an arising time. 
Because your body and your soul are not so disunited that you can lack care for your body and expect your soul to be fine. It doesn't work that way. you got to care for both. So Jesus wants to have them to take care of his body. You guys remember the story of Elijah in, in 1 Kings? He has this amazing spiritual victory over the false prophets of Baal. Uh, incredible. And you go, wow, Elijah, you were so confident in the Lord. The Lord used you in such an amazing way, Elijah. That's incredible. And you would just think this man is impervious to any kind of depression or despair. But in the very next chapter, you find him under a broom tree with suicidal thoughts, hoping he can die. He's exhausted. You know there's a connection between your physical exhaustion and your spiritual condition. That depression sometimes creeps in because we're not sleeping. And so what does God give to Elijah to get him back up and ready to go again? Two things. Sleep and food. He sleeps and he sleeps some more. He gets up and the angel gives him some food. And he lays down again. I wonder if some of you need to feel free from the guilt of a day off. A morning where you sleep in. A morning or a night where you go to bed early. Uh, I think some of you might need to be freed from that guilt that you, you're allowed to turn off. You're allowed to say no. And your body and your soul need it, just as Jesus recognized in the disciples. They needed it. So that's how to rest. Just to recap, you got to stop working. You might need to get away. Oh, I didn't say the third one, but I mentioned it. you got to have refreshing friendships. And then fourth, you got to take care of your body. And let's close with this. What about true rest? True rest. Because guess what? You can take your body to paradise. And if there's a storm in your soul, you will have no rest. You can go somewhere that's beautiful and tranquil, but you could have a hurricane swirling inside you. Anxieties, fears, guilts. You see, what happened at the fall is sin, like a giant boulder fell into our placid lake. And now there's, there's waves, there's ripples, because of the existence of sin in fallen man, we are a restless people. And rest can only be found, true rest can really only be found in God. God invented rest, in God, and in God alone there is rest. He created, and then He said that He rested. And He invites us actually to share in His rest. But a guilty conscience will know no rest. A, a, a heart that is at peace with sin will know no tranquility of the soul. There will be no true calm. Anxiety and worry and guilt will reign unless you figure out a way to have your sins dealt with And so Jesus comes, and listen to these words. Christians, you need to hear this. And if you're not yet a Christian, 
listen up. There might not be more important words than the ones I'm about to read. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your soul. Can you think of that? The guilty conscience put to rest. The anxious thoughts swirled around, put to bed, calmed. That kind of peace that passes all understanding. Oh, if we could have that. That is what we long for. That is what every single one of us craves. And Jesus says, I'll show you how to get it. It's in me. Christian, if you're going anywhere else to find rest other than Christ, you will not find it. Your rest will not be found in your padded banking home. It will be found in Christ. And so we daily, as the author of Hebrews says, strive to enter rest. In that paradox, strive to enter rest. In other words, strive to regularly and repeatedly bring yourself to Christ and find rest for your soul, rest in your heart, because you are resting in the reality that God is God and He is merciful, kind, and forgiving, that He is over you and He helps you and He does not abandon His children. And so you rest. He's got me. I'm secure. I'm safe. And if you're not a Christian, you need to know this, that Jesus would be the one way that we could find rest. And then He went cross to die in the place of sinners to bear their guilt and shame, to be a substitutionary sacrifice. The wrath of God that we deserve poured out on Him. He pays for our sins in full truly dies, is buried and put in a tomb. And then he rises from the dead three days later. And as the living God who has conquered death, he says, come to me, come to me. He is the door to God. He is the way back to the Father. He and he alone provides reconciliation. And if you are not at peace with God, there is no peace for you. There is no rest for you. So Christ says, come to me and find rest for your soul because when you come to Christ, your sins are forgiven. Your guilt is removed. And you can take a deep breath and rest that all will be well for you because your Heavenly Father has adopted you and He will care for you for all eternity. So church, the rest that Jesus purchased on that cross the rest that He's invited you into is yours. And the rest you are given now, the rest that we see in Mark 6, He calls you to rest in your life. And that rest, listen, this is good news. That rest is a foretaste, a preview of a perfect, eternal rest that will be one day completely ours. You will be happy and calm and at peace 
and guilt-free forever. One day. And the rest we share now is to remind us of that rest to come. So we rest with anticipation. We rest looking forward. Truly rest. Say, God is God. Take rest and look to the eternal rest that is yours. But if you're not a Christian, let me read what is a terrifying passage of the Bible. Revelation 14, verse 11 is speaking of the damned. It's speaking of those who are condemned for their sin. And the Word says this, the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Could you imagine? Those of you who have struggled with insomnia have a slight taste of what that might feel like to struggle through the night, to feel exhausted but have no rest, to have a mind that's constantly going like as on a treadmill but not arriving anywhere, and then to rise when the sun comes up with no recovery, with no refreshment, with no rejuvenation, but imagine that played out for all eternity, the agonizing torment of a guilty conscience forever. Hell can be described as a place without rest. And a couple verses later, heaven can be described as a place where those rest from their labors. Rest is for us, the church, to enjoy now, and to anticipate for all eternity. And for those of you who are not yet in Christ, it can be yours should you repent and trust in Jesus and embrace His finished work on your behalf to be your Savior. But if you reject the Savior, even the rest you enjoy on earth will be temporary, and there will be no rest for you for all eternity. And I say that as a warning to urge you, come and find rest for your soul. I want to finish with three questions and we're done. If you find yourself restless, ask yourself these things. Maybe you can talk about these later. I think all people can benefit from these questions. If you find yourself restless, number one, do you need to examine your work? Maybe you are idle and lazy and therefore you are restless. That the rest is not sweet because the work is not what it should be. Idle hands create restless hearts. Secondly, do you need to rest God's way? Examine your life, your schedule. Pull out the calendar. Talk to your spouse. Examine your kids. Look at their schedules. And ask yourself, do you need to rest God's way? Not like the world rests. And third, Do you need to come to Christ for rest? Maybe you have all the leisure and all the time in the world, but you're still restless because you're not coming to Jesus, the one who says that he will give rest to your soul. Ask yourself these questions and apply this to your heart, that your Savior invites you to rest. So how will you enjoy the rest that God has provided for you? Let's pray.
Lord, we're so thankful that you are so gentle and tender and kind, that you examine the needs of your disciples and you say to them that they should rest. Lord, for those of us who are overworked, I pray that you would convict us of the sin of not resting. For those of us who are lazy, for those of us who never turn off work, but live in that twilight zone, I pray that you would give us wisdom to make new decisions and new habits of life that could be more conducive to the rhythms of work and rest that you've given us in your word. And Lord, I pray if anyone here is not in Christ, that is restless in their soul, anxious and guilty, plagued and haunted by a guilty conscience, that they would repent and find rest for their soul by trusting in Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.